Welcome to the Friday Fraudster Podcast with Kelly Paxton, pink-collar crime expert, Joe Irvin, your person for all things ethics, and Robert Barry, the guy who helps you ask better questions. Join them as they discuss sad, funny, and sometimes disturbing fraud stories. Be sure to catch past episodes on your favorite podcasting platform or go to www.fridayfraudster.com and grab some CPE while you're there. Ooh. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 90. Holy smokes. Wow. What are we going to do to celebrate a 100? Oh. Seems I don't know. You guys are podcast people. That seems like a really big number to me. So I just passed my 100th. Did you? Wow. Have a break, but it was it was a really big thing. You know, I hadn't even thought about it. Like it, it is a big milestone. It is. Mm-hmm. And I like that the gang is all back together today. Ooh, and this is a good like, one today. I know we look like ourselves today, but Thomas and Galena have been doing fantastic. Thanks for stepping in for us. Thank you. So Jay is here. Jay says hello. And Stephanie says happy Friday the 13th from Idaho. And I just typed in the chat, Stephanie, I'm hoping to win the lotto today. I don't, I'm not superstitious. <laughs> I may have to go out. I, I, I am one of those admittedly people. You guys drop a note in the comments if you are too, that only buys tickets when the news tells you to. So, you know, like I am one of those people that ruins like all the chances for all the people. <laughs> yeah. Here, here. That's me too. So maybe I'll go too, just in the spirit of it's Friday the 13th. Jay says on all of these good ones. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you said that. Yes, I stand corrected. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Look, Joe Kelly, let me ask you guys a question. Um, you know, this is getting kind of fun where I ask a stupid question in the beginning and it leads to the story. I'm 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 liking this. <laughs> um, and, and you guys in the audience too. What was your favorite? sitcom back in the days on the open sea sitcom on a boat anybody oh. have a favorite one? Oh, love boat okay that's a good one yeah actually i can't think of it but it came to my mind <laughs> captain stubing and what, what say you kelly gilligan's island it started on a three-hour cruise there you go a three-hour tour <laughs> that's right <laughs> Yeah, Gilligan's Island was the best. Love Boat, I really liked Love Boat. What you had, Captain Steubing and Isaac, and I forgot the rest Julie. of them, but. Julie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was yeah. the theme song for Love Boat? Wasn't that like a famous one, too? Yeah. The Love Boat. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Soon will be something, something, uh, something uh, or yeah. another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good thing this is our day job. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll be sure to keep mine. Stephanie's there. She's Gilligan's Island. Anybody yeah. remember Fantasy Island with uh, uh, Tattoo and I forgot the, the head man's Let's name. Be correct. Let's be correct. We don't want to get canceled. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. What is Fantasy Island? Am I oh, like. I don't remember Fantasy Island? Oh. oh. Well, Fantasy oh, Island is going on a cruise. Ooh. Oh, wow. The plane. The plane, Stephanie. Oh, my God. Yeah. The plane. There you the go. Plane. So, Tattoo. Uh, sorry. Fantasy Island was a show where there were two gentlemen 
one uh, uh, um, little person, what are we calling them now? And um, they, they brokered love. So they flew people into this island and they brokered love, essentially. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that was a good one. I really like that. And uh, Laura remembers Fantasy Island. Okay, so um, I think of that silly movie, Couples Retreat. <laughs> ah. Do you remember that movie? And they, there's like the Singles Island, <laughs> Couples Island. I yeah. don't know. I, I'm on vacation mode now that Jay was talking about a cruise because I'm trying to talk my husband into an Italy cruise this summer for a delayed honeymoon that we never had. So anyway, ah. send your prayers to me that I get to go on a, a okay. cruise. <laughs> so so what we'll have to do is we'll have to have a special Friday fraudster while you're on the cruise. Ooh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> for us, maybe not for you. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so, so, okay, so look, my favorite was Gilligan's Island. And if you don't remember Gilligan's Island, you guys, there were a bunch of people who were on a cruise and it was supposed to be a three hour cruise and they got shipwrecked on an island for what seemed like years. But I think the show only ran for maybe what, three years or so. So you had a movie star, you had a rich prof uh, man and his wife, you had a professor, you had the captain, and then you had Gilligan who was like the goofy shipmate that couldn't do anything right. That was Bob Denver, wasn't it? Who played that? I can't remember who played uh, Gilligan. I don't remember. And so every, 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 every show, they had some shenanigans. And sometimes they would have stars come in. I remember one time, my favorite one was the Harlem Globetrotters made it to Gilligan's Island. And somehow they made it off and Gilligan and the rest of the crew were still stuck <laughs> on the island. Mm. It's a shame wonder, how that happens. Yeah, yeah. Only in TV land. <laughs> Only in TV land. That's right. So now, ah, Kelly, you made your kids watch Gilligan's Island? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I just actually was, because I moved, you know, we had a bunch of DVDs, and it literally was worn out from my kids. I got all the kids in the neighborhood to watch Gilligan's Island. It was hysterical. That's awesome. And I have, wait, you guys, I have a Gilligan's Island cookbook. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh-huh. Now See, that show, is amazing. This show is taking a whole nother turn. <laughs> you know, I think we're still right on track though, because in today's story, in today's story, the CEO of a shipbuilding company was recently apprehended off the coast of Hawaii trying to escape in his boat. <laughs> now, from what I read, they're saying that the boat was probably not the best and they weren't sure how far he was going to get in it because, well, he didn't have enough supplies or gas to get far, but he was trying to escape the law. And why was he trying to escape the law? Apparently, he and his wife misappropriated at least one and a half million dollars from investors. All right. So, look, let me just say, if you guys are ready to hear this story, just type into the chat. We're ready for it. I just want to know who's ready and who's listening because a fraudster escaping on a boat, this has to be the first on the Friday fraudster. And I'm just, I'm just blown away. Wait, Absolutely blown away. It was more than a million and a half. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. they, 
they can account for a million and a half million and a half being misappropriated, but it was like four and a half million that they stole. Yeah. Crazy. Oh my God. Did you guys see what he got caught with on board? We no. didn't know. I didn't see that. What oh did he get caught God. with on board? You guys, it's hysterical. He had Whole Foods brand organic cinnamon applesauce, three apples, bananas, a bag of clementines were in the captain's wheelhouse, two boxes of cream sandwich cookies. I'm going for Oreos. Yeah. Um, 12 packs of ramen noodles. Um, and oh my God. He also, it's his cigarettes, of course. He didn't even know how to use GPS. Yes. That was the he, other thing I did see. He was lucky that he got caught because he'd die. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Literally, I mean, they would have died. I mean, only t how many packs of Roman? You need way more than that if you're running from the law. <laughs> and did he bring oranges because he heard about scurvy in the old days when people were on boats for a long time and they would get scurvy to have oranges? Like, oh okay. my God. And can I just take a, a quick side jaunt here because you said cream-filled cookies? And it made me giggle because my first audit that I have my classes, my internal audit classes do is audit the regular Oreos to the double stuff to see if they're truly double stuffed. And they have to do like an objective and procedures and they have to tell me exactly how they're going to audit it and then write a little report on whether they find that, uh, the, the cream and the case study is truly, I got it from the professor. It's truly a cream filled cookie case. That's what it's called because hence you cannot say the word. Ah, <laughs> this no. is pretty awesome. So Heather is just joining and she says, hello from Jax. Heather, 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 you missed the talk about Gilligan's Island. You <laughs> missed all the talk. But for those of you just joining us on episode 90, we're digging into the story now where a CEO of a company was caught trying to escape the law by boat off the coast of Hawaii. And apparently he didn't have enough um, food to last for any amount of time. And uh, he didn't know how to use his GPS, but his company was all about building boats. He had all this money in the world to spend on all these automobiles and uh, luxury homes and vacations, but he couldn't find a better way to escape than basically like a rowboat with ro ramen noodles. Like it's wow. just a me. Some of these. So you guys, he did psychics. Psychics. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. I saw that too. Yes. Yeah. He liked psychics. So let's talk about this. Curtis was age 69, a resident of Honolulu, Hawaii, and he is the founder of Semi-Sub. His wife, Denise, is 58, and she's a resident of Lake Worth, Florida. I just kind of found that to be strange right off the bat, right? <laughs> I, 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 but okay. So Maybe she's a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't tell him to pack more food, that's for sure. Um, okay, okay. So what happened was they formed Semi-Sub LLC in California in 2003. Now, the stated purpose of the company was to uh, construct and later operate partially submersible vessels for tourism. Uh, it was kind of like a catamaran style boat, but with windows and then it could go underwater and you could see everything that was underwater. Now, in 2005, they began fundraising by selling membership interest into the uh, company. And shortly thereafter, the state of California told them to shut it down and stop selling securities. That's what, this was in 2009. 
So apparently they had gotten in trouble for selling securities at one point in time in the past. But first in Pennsylvania. So first in Pennsylvania and then in California. So it's oh, like yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're go-getters, man. They're trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So around 2017-ish or so, they decided to offer securities in the semi-sub corporation yet again. And what they did was something called PPM, right? They did a private placement memorandum. So if you don't know what that is, that's if you want to sell some securities, you put together this memorandum that details all of the terms, how much you're going to charge for the securities, what you are going to deliver. And so within that PPM, they said that they were going to use some of the money and they were going to lend it to another organization at a 10% interest rate. And they would construct all these boats and they were going to go global. First, they were going to build one boat in Hawaii. Then they were going to put the money towards constructing other boats. And the business was going to be worth tens of millions of dollars. Who invests in stuff like this? I mean, come on. you. I mean, audience members, like, really? Like... Who? <laughs> it's like those crazy timeshares that they try to sell you every time you go to a resort. And like, I mean, but times 10. I don't know. I just don't. These people that invest in this stuff must just have money to give away. That's what I think. Well, you know, desperate. De desperate. Or, yeah, or just want to show off and say, you know, I've, I put my money in this, you know, subsonic catamaran. <laughs> But I mean, they had to be a trustworthy couple, though, because both of them ran the entire company. They ran the social media presence. They controlled the books. They did the marketing. They did the advertising. Just the two of them. <laughs> well, they didn't need any employees. They weren't doing anything. <laughs> Not like they were really building boats. But seriously, if you were going to invest in something like this, we talk about this all the time, like due diligence, right? Like, wouldn't it, I mean, I wonder, did it go into it all what, like, evidence or proof that, that they fabricate, like, an entire thing for these investors? I don't know. So what they did was, after they released the PPM, it looked so impressive that people decided to invest tens of millions of dollars in it. And then instead of doing due diligence up front, these people did kind of don't diligence. Um, when, when they didn't see any results, they started asking questions and the husband and wife team started stonewalling people. So, for example, there's one example where one investor was asking, hey, can we see some financial statement results and can we see the progress of the project? And they sent emails back to these investors, essentially shaming them for asking questions. So, um, for example, he sent an email to one investor stating, <clears throat> the construction of semi-sub one is complete and we will be putting out a new raise of one million shares to accelerate the sales and marketing. This will be open to new investors at $1.50. I have been asked by some partners to let them know when we will close out this round. Well, I'm letting you know, 25 cent shares will close in the next two weeks. So we can start the new investor at $1.50 per share. You can't have two offerings open at the same time. So he was trying to sell more whenever he was asked questions. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, yeah. And it won't. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Kelly just put in the chat. Who does this sound like? Elizabeth Holmes. Like that was kind of the first gut thing I had. And then after watching the um, Madoff, the, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, like the monster of Wall Street, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, it's the don't, don't ask me questions, right? Like he never, he wouldn't even answer people. I mean, he would like total stonewall. And so I just found some of the facts from that series interesting. So we'll talk about that. Teaser for what, two weeks, when are, when are we doing that? Two weeks from now, I think. I think it is two weeks from now. I fell asleep watching it last night. Yes, so did I. <laughs> so did I. That's not an indicator of the of the content, but <laughs> it's, it's on Netflix, isn't it? I'm pretty yes. sure Netflix. Yes. Netflix. Mm -hmm. It just came out like January fourth or fifth or something. Something like that. And the guys that we know, Bruce Dubinsky is in it. Oh. And he was also quoted a lot in um the book by uh the guy who's showing um made off talks. Jim, Jim Campbell. Oh, Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, oh, plug for the fraud retreat. One of the FBI agents that worked on the Bernie Madoff case, he's not in the documentary, but he is coming to tell us. And what's funny is as soon as I started watching it, I was like, oh, no, it's giving away some of the details that he talks about in his talk. But I promise it'll still be good um, to pick his brain in person in August. You better be there. Benita, I see you're on. You better come this year. Yeah, you better not stand us up this year. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So tell me what you guys think about this now. On February 26, 2018, an, an investor emailed Curtis and said, we investors want the accounting of all monies and clear supervision of future income and expenses, not to mention distribution of profits. It's a ridiculous fact that Curtis has never provided this already. Now, how do you think Curtis responded to that? You think he handed over those records? What do you think he did? <laughs> How dare you? Some Oreos. I have so many other investors that could would want to take your place, right? The FOMO, right, Kelly? Like, yeah, I saw yeah. Kelly just type that in the chat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's what he said. He said, "We have a third-party accounting firm. If you think we are living like kings, you are nuts. We work our AWSs off." and rest all weekend. We go to church on Sunday. My big thing for the week is NASCAR on Sunday. We have not been on vacation in 10 years. You have some nerve. Oh my gosh. Lies, lies, and more lies. Oh my gosh, you guys, you know what is so funny? Well, I don't know if it's so funny, but I went into a grocery store yesterday and um, as we're walking in, uh, there's a guy lost prevention and he's confronting someone and I haven't seen that in so long, but all I could think about, I was with a friend was like, she of course wanted to walk by him and I'm like, get the hell out of there. You don't you know, but he was so adamant that he didn't do it. I'm like, he did it because he was so incredibly adamant. And it, it was just like, it, it was, it was crazy. But my friend wanted to walk by him. I'm like, never like, yeah. Go the other entrance. I couldn't believe it. But when you're like this guy saying like, like, we haven't taken vacations. We're like eating ramen. It's like, I call your bluff. Yeah. It's like when the overdoing effect, right? Like when they're completely overdoing it. And like, it's almost like they're trying to deflect you onto something else. Their tactic of like, oh, maybe they, if they like NASCAR, they'll pick up on that. And then we'll start a conversation about that. So it's like this. 
this way to deflect from the actual conversation too. Yeah. Well, what I've found is anytime people engage or inject in the conversation, um, a third party with high level of authority, that is when you know nine times out of 10, they are lying. And that's usually church. So God or yeah. a judge or the police, they'll say something like that. And you notice he had a combination of all of them, right? He mentioned church. He mentioned, how dare you? I mean, so he, I'm surprised he didn't say, sue me if you think that, you know, so now you bring in an attorney. So anytime somebody tries to bring in another third party like that to have control and authority over you and your thought process, they are most likely wrong and lying to you and trying to coerce you into believing what it is that they're trying to sell you. But Gaslighting. Oh God, yes. But can I say, um, have you guys, have I told you guys about that tactic that I tell auditors about called third manning? And I actually heard about it from John Hall. Kelly knows John Hall. Rob, you probably know John Hall. I know from John, yeah. He always talked about, you know, and, but doing it honestly, right? Third manning as in this other department implemented this efficiency so well, like to make that department want to do it too. Right. Like, so right. it's taking excitement. And I do think in good context that works. Right. So it yeah. like there's obviously the unethical way to do that and the ethical way to just try to convince somebody, hey, this isn't me, the auditor telling you to do it. You know, let me tell you where this was implemented successfully somewhere else. So, anyway, yeah. yeah. OK, so who wants to hear where this NASCAR loving church going CEO spent all the money? Let's do it. Not on his boat. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even. You know, it would have been better if he'd at least escaped in one of his semi-sonic what catamarans. Oh, that. wait a minute! We forgot to talk about that. So they did actually produce one, and they got a certificate of uh, whatever that you get for a boat from the Coast Guard. But then shortly thereafter, that certificate was revoked because there was a problem with the engine. So the actual thing that they built didn't even work. <laughs> so we couldn't escape on that, of course. Right. I forgot that part. I'm so glad you said that, though, because I mean, we would have gone through this whole episode and people would have been wondering, well, did he even build one? They did build one. Interesting. See, I didn't even know that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what they're saying is, they spent approximately one third of the $4.7 million raised on personal expenses unrelated to the construction and operation of the company. They include, but not limited to, $8,500 per month in rent for their Hawaii residents. $8,500 a month to live in Hawaii? Well, she had to fly there from Florida. So, I mean, that's expensive. That's a but this was just for the house. This wasn't even for the flying. I know, right? Crazy. Okay. $2,300 per month to pay the mortgage on their California home while they were living in Hawaii. $1,400 per month for car leases, including a Mercedes for Curtis. <laughs> you should have escaped in that. <laughs> right. $27,000 per year on food and groceries. Twenty. Who are they feeding? An army? 
Cost of living, though, in Hawaii. I mean, the food is expensive there. True, it is. It is. Um, oh, twenty-three thousand dollars in personal retail expenses, including clothing, haircuts, visits to the nail salons, and a hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars in personal credit card bills. Probably when are you done yet? Probably a Louis Vuitton teddy bear. I bet it was a Louis Vuitton teddy bear in the mix. Probably. Or a purse, at least, for his life. Over $200,000 in expenditures. Uh, wait, no, I'm sorry. In cash used for such activities such as psychics and recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kelly put the marijuana in the chat. You know, that was part of it. Yep. And, <laughs> and. The company paid Denise an annual salary of approximately $150,000 from uh, September 2017 to March of 2020. Annual salary. So that's what, 700, what is that? Uh, yeah, 750, right? $750,000. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and that was not even for building the boats, right? That was probably just for social media boats. <laughs> Right. Well, here's the thing that's kind of funny, though. Who who's paying for her home in Lake Mary, Florida? Yeah. Did it? So it said she's from Florida, or she lives in Florida. I'm so confused. It said that she lives in Florida. Let me go back up and make sure. Yeah, it said she's a resident of Lake Worth, Florida. So they have a home in California. They have a home in Hawaii, but yet she is a resident of Lake Worth, and it said resident. Florida lady. We don't have Florida man. We got Florida lady. There we go. Yep. Florida whoa, man. <laughs> I just noticed your tagline for this episode is the boat that this boat don't float. <laughs> this made me giggle. Or how about this boat sinks? Yeah. This, <laughs> this boat stinks and sinks. <laughs> Hmm. You know, but they knew it was coming because of the psychic. Yeah, I was wondering if she saw a lot of water in his future or something. Like, why why would you try to escape by boat? Anyway. Maybe he liked Gilligan. You know, all is fun. It gives us something different to talk about on Friday Fraudster, right? Okay. Can we at least mention the big story of the day? about the crazy lady who sold her business to JP Morgan. And Kelly sent us the uh, her LinkedIn profile and it says she still works at JP Morgan Chase, Kelly. Like, oh, does no. she, she got fired something? in November. She got oh. fired in November. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. That is no, not- No, she has been a little busy to update her LinkedIn page. Yeah. If I were her, I would just take it down because it still touts her business. Anyway, Robert, do you want to tell everybody about that one or? Oh, wait a minute. I just, I just kind of threw that in there. Okay. Fun. So in this one, it is alleged that the startup founder used millions of dollars, used millions of fake customers into duping JP Morgan Chase into purchasing her software platform. And the software platform is used to help people with student financial aid. I'm still trying to figure out what is it that the, the okay, let me, yeah, let me just say it. Yeah, it was a 
said they could apply for student financial aid in under five minutes. Like that was her whole thing. And she hired a professor to fake student data to sell to JP Morgan. So anyway, my little professor brain was like on fire about this one this morning. So I was like, we have to mention it. It's all over Forbes and every place. Well, but I think this is where I'm confused by the whole thing. Okay. So it allowed you to apply for student loans in like five minutes, right? But the federal government has this form called the FAFSA that you fill out to apply for student aid. So how is it that a publicly traded company could actually buy the software to actually fill out student loans? Like you had to somehow plug into the government system. People are lazy. SEO, it probably popped up before the government's FAFSA and they just clicked on the link. And they paid them to do their FAFSA form. I mean, that's all right. Like that's how I got it. I don't know. Maybe it's more to that. Well, that's how I got it too, but. So when I was at a certain unnamed sportswear company, um, I had a case, and this is public record, so I'm not spilling any secrets. There were designers and they went out and they bought followers because they were going to another company and they wanted to show that they had swagger. And um, I could show that, I believe it was Social Baker back then, that like they bought a bunch of followers. And it was in the lawsuit. I mean, we know that people do that all the time, still on social media, right? Um, What kills me about this one is what JP Morgan Chase is saying is they didn't even care about the product or the company that they were buying. They essentially bought it for the the right to get to this younger, you know, student um, profession, not profession. What am I looking for? Student body. I mean, just names. They wanted the students' names to get them into their banking institution earlier. Right. And so they bought this whole company for what, $17 million or whatever, just to get the data. It's like, okay, they just bought data, which yeah. I guess, you know, but then now they're finding out that the data is illegitimate, which is kind of the whole controversy this morning. But guess yeah. where she went to school, you guys? How, oh, yeah. Wharton. Wharton. I think Wharton literally, and I don't know a hundred percent for sure. Highest percentage of fraudsters have graduated from Wharton. And she worked there for like 12 years too. It's that. Well, well, wait a minute though, Kelly, that, that, that is probably a, let me just throw this out first. This as a caveat, this is just a joke. So Wharton don't try to sue me or anything. I'm broke yeah. anyway, so you won't be able to get anything from me, but that is a testament to the success of Warden because now we are educating people on how to defraud others. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted her background also to say that she worked at McKinsey and that would have helped. Uh-huh. Me. That would have topped it off, right? Oh, I found I saw the funnest meme about McKinsey and it was like a, a whole bunch of black garbage bags and then the gold garbage bag and it was like McKinsey, you know, like on the gold garbage. <laughs> like that is so good. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, right. Anyway, I'm, so we'll be on that one, but I just wanted to aware our audience about the story. I'm just still amazed by it though. Like instead of four million subscribers users, they only had like three or four hundred thousand. And and so I asked a question on LinkedIn this morning. What happened to due diligence? Like what that number is so large there could not have been any detailed level of due diligence performed. There's absolutely no way. That number is too large. 
But I will say, okay, so I think they paid like 40 million or something for it. This is nothing compared to Adam Newman. They like, you know, and I don't like to do the whole gender thing, but like there are like dudes out there all the time doing this. And it's like, is it because she's a woman that she's getting this? Because Adam Newman cost JP Morgan a lot of money. True. True. Now, now Bob brings up a good point. He said it's a two-year-old company where she has 12 years of experience with this. <laughs> what though? Like, I don't know. I, the Adam Newman thing, it baffles me too, Kelly. But like, to me, her whole, I mean, I don't know. I was like, okay, WeWork was a, it was a glorified real estate business, right? It was never, it never should have been valued at what it was, but it was a real business. I guess you could say her business was called like Frank or something, right? I don't, I don't even know yeah. what that means. But like, yeah. was it even ever a real business if they had all this? I mean, maybe it was, but just for like a million students versus, you know, however. I think, I think it was called Frank because Goldman Sachs, like high yield savings account aimed at younger people is called Marcus. <laughs> I, I want, I want, I want like a company called Suzy Q. Like, would anyone invest in Susie? No, but Frank and Marcus, like, or John or Jack, like Jack from Twitter. Like, okay, let's, who is, is there a female named company out there that like, you know, is just Oprah. Okay. We got Oprah. <laughs> we do have Oprah. You know, I, but, okay. But, but, but again, she had to have learned about the, having the ability to sell something like this in her years in financial services, because I get it. Think about this. Remember back in the day when we were in college, you would have people standing on campus handing out credit card applications. And most of us got our first credit cards when we went to college, right? So now I don't think they're really doing that anymore because I wouldn't hand out my information to anybody just standing around campus, right? That doesn't make sense. So how else are you gonna get people's names so that you can try and get credit cards into the hands of young folks? You gotta have a way a list of people who have applied for uh, uh, aid to college is a good way to do that. So I think I kind of understand why Chase wanted it, but. Okay. So I have another side note. What about like the fact, and I think this deal fell through, but maybe you guys, maybe you know more about it. Google was going to buy Fitbit. You remember this? Oh. Like a year or two ago. Yeah. And all Fitbit users were so angry and I think they blocked the acquisition because they were worried about privacy. So they've got Fitbit's got all this personal health privacy information. And now wait, you're selling to Google and Google only wants to buy it because they want to know how to market to us as Fitbit users. And I, I, I don't know, like I, maybe somebody on knows what happened with that, but I remember thinking, wow, this would be a good case study because should we be looking at the reason behind acquisitions, you know, from an ethical standpoint of, you know, is this, you know, and who, who would be in charge of that, right? Because it seems like this is an unethical acquisition to me. So I just throwing it out there. When is it allowed? When is it not allowed? When does Congress step in or whoever, you know, and say? FTC. Like, is, the FCC. The FCC. Yeah. FCC, yeah. And actually... I got today, I'm looking at my thing. Sam, um, that's it. From Sam. Kelly asked about the name of a woman's company, a woman's name, wait, 
what'd you say, Kelly? I forgot what you said, but uh, like a with... one more woman's name. But I think of Sam as man. Yes, ah, okay. even though I know some Sams. Every time I think Sam, I think of the curly-headed guy now. That's like <laughs> the crypto guy. Yeah, yeah, the so, weird yeah. crypto. Uh, by the way, the owner of the company is Charlie. Her name is Charlie, right? Why Charlie. didn't she just call it Charlie? I know, instead of Frank. <laughs> yeah. She was letting you know how honest she was being with us. I'm going to be frank with you here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Frank, Frank is the leading platform connecting students to financial aid at colleges they'll love. We help students apply for FAFSA in under five minutes, match students with scholarships, and provide emergency aid all in one place. Here's the bigger question, though, and I'm, I'm being really serious here. If a company could come up with some sort of uh, uh, process to take information and then complete the FAFSA form in under five minutes, why couldn't the federal government? Oh, I, I do. I do like that question. This is like, why do we have third parties in the middle of a lot of transactions though, Rob? Like, <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, that's like what our society builds is like the people that try to make people's lives easier. That's all, I mean, and that's all real estate agents are. That's, that's all, I, I don't know third party administrators and like we could work directly and invest in the stock market, but we don't, we go through brokers. Like that's just the world that we live in. Yep. So, but yeah, because we the can blame the broker and not ourselves. Yep. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Kelly. Yeah. But then the broker, when they, you know, put us in investments that are, you know, put more commissions in their pocket, they go, ah, well, you know, they wouldn't do it themselves. They'd be worse off, you know, if they were doing it themselves anyway. Like they rationalize constantly that they're, whatever they're doing is okay because it's better, we're still better off than if we were trying to do it ourselves. So, yeah. so it's I actually went to, and this is whatever, HIPAA or whatever. I went to a medical professional recently and I was very upset about something. And I accused him of owning stock in the company <laughs> and because um, he kept pushing it. And I'm like, eh. so I go back six months later and much better mm -hmm. visit this time. And actually, I said, you know, what's so funny is um, I found out my husband had owned stock in that company and he laughed and he goes, he goes, as a matter of course, he goes, I do not buy any stock in any healthcare company. And you know what? I am so good with him now that he said that. Because he, you know, there's no conflict. But originally, when he kept pushing this one thing, I'm like, do you own stock in it? I mean, he was pushing it so hard. Yeah. You, it's sad that you immediately, our minds immediately go to conflict of interest. Right. Because we're auditors and investigators, right? So, okay, Bob. Yeah. So they didn't block the acquisition of, of Fitbit. So Google officially bought Fitbit in 2021. Thank you, Bob, for finding that. And, um, yeah. so, so who knows what Google's doing with all that data? Well, uh, we, we we know what they're doing with it. So, okay, before Google bought Fitbit, they had, um, uh, oh God, they had their own kind of equivalent. And I used it for a while. Google Health, Google Fitness, Google, I forgot what it's called. But it yeah. runs on the background in your phone and it counts your steps for you. And it, it's, it's almost like Fitbit, but not as good. Mm -hmm. um, not as many people use it as Fitbit, but... 
I could tell whenever I had my location on, I would be served ads close to where I was on my cell phone. So that's really all Google wants to do with it. And it is just another touch point and another way for them to keep track of us uh, everywhere we go. Now, I think the good news is, especially for those of us who have Android devices, there are easy ways to turn some of that stuff off. <clears throat> okay, it's Wait, easy. You're an happen. Android person? What the yeah. hell? Yes. Kelly and I, oh. this is Kelly and Joe against Rob here. I know. <laughs> I know. Ooh. Ooh. Are you going to get a Tesla phone too? No, thanks. No. <laughs> why? Uh, um, why? Why would I get a Tesla phone? Well, because, I mean, they're about as good with privacy as, you know, the droid. Wait, oh. hold on. Back it up. Tesla has a phone? Or are we talking about the they're car? Gonna, they're, well, they're, Elon Musk is doing a phone. And I have oh, a crazy God. friend. Oh, great. Yeah, he's doing a phone I have and a crazy something else. friend who wanted to go droid, and I had to educate her about the app store. And then she's like, well, I'm going, um, I'm, I'm not going Apple. And then she said she was going to go to Elon Musk's phone. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like he's the least privacy person or like, oh my God. Okay. Thomas. Oh. So I will say I don't oh. indulge in the forbidden fruit, but Kelly, we do agree on Tesla phone. No, no. Yeah. Maybe that's just our, like, um, we'll just agree on that. But Thomas, you, Thomas can be on the show in my place next week because I can't, because first week of class, I can't be here. So you can Android beat up on Kelly if she's there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kelly's like, oh, uh, maybe I won't come next week either. <laughs> I have some plans next week. <laughs> and I can't tell you what they are. That's okay. We'll track you down using your Apple phone. We know where you're going to be. <laughs> No, we, we do the ask app not to track button on all of our apps. So Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, we digress. We probably should go and let everybody go. We we should before we get lost on Gilligan's Island taking a three hour tour. <laughs> Way to bring it full cir circle there, Rob. That's like the keynote. Um <laughs> should I like bring my um cookbook next week? Mm -hmm. I literally made like a coconut cream pie off of the thing. And I made like teriyaki. Well, they didn't have chicken. I made some teriyaki dish too. My kids thought it was the coolest thing ever that I got a Gilligan's Island cookbook. You should bring the cookbook. You know, you probably okay. should have given it to this guy before he got on his book. Oh God, wait, everyone watches and listens to everything you do anyway. Might well make it entertaining for them. Who's that, Rob? Oh, that's Stephanie. That's Stephanie. Sorry. Okay. Okay, you're creeping me she's out. Got a good point, yeah, yeah, she's got a point. All right, guys, I think the ship has set sail on this episode. Love it. I love the boat thing. We have I'm gonna go have cream cookie. Do you know that who knows that Oreos are vegan? I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, Oreos are vegan. I'll tell my audit class next week when they're playing with Oreos. <laughs> yeah, Oreos are vegan. My daughter told me this because we picked up someone on the Pacific Crest Trail and she had a big pack of Oreos. And I'm like, well, that doesn't <clears> seem so healthy. And my daughter's like, it's vegan, mom. And sure enough, she was vegan from Germany. Yeah, it, it is vegan. And I knew that. Yeah. Well, all right. We're going to drop the anchor on this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
right, I'm jumping chips. See ya. Bye. <laughs> that was good. All right, bye. Ahoy, Mitty.